Absolutely. Arrival. I have arrived and we are here. And it is our Christmas series uh, entitled Arrival. And if you've been here uh, the past few weeks, you'll know that we have been looking at the Christmas story through the lens of those ever so popular superhero movies. Why is that? That's a good question. Well, you know, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, as I was thinking about the Christmas story, I was reflecting that before Marvel superheroes that came out of space and saved mankind from destruction, there was Jesus who broke into our time and place into earth to save mankind from eternal separation from God. You know, before there were sci-fi stories about visitors from out of space, there was a story, there is a story of Jesus who came to his own, that which he had created. And I was thinking about this, and you know, we go to see those movies, and we should enjoy them, they're fun, but we, we kind of come out of them and go, wow, wasn't that amazing? That storyline, I never saw that happen at the end, and oh, I wish I had those superpowers. Maybe I'm just the only one that thinks that. But like, oh, that's amazing, I wish I could fly. And then we come to Christmas and the story of Jesus, and we're like, ah, oh, the little baby. Not that that's wrong, but we kind of just get stuck there, don't we, in familiarity. But actually, I feel like in this season, God is causing us and calling us to break out of the familiarity of Christmas and allow his reality to break in. Because if we truly understood what the story of Christmas was about, we'd go, wow, isn't that amazing? You mean you're telling me the God of the universe loved us so much that he sent his only son to come here on earth to that which he created as a baby? And walk the life that he did and save us so we can have a relationship? Wow, that's impressive. You see, when I read the Christmas story, it's nice to feel warm and fluffy. I'm not saying it isn't. The risk is we just stay in that place. And Christmas, the impact of it doesn't hit us. And so what we've been trying to do is just look at this Christmas story from a fresh perspective so that we can break out of the familiarity. Because the reality is, if we understood what Christmas was truly about, our January would look a whole lot different than December. Our 2020, a whole lot better than 2019. Instead of us waking up with a Christmas hangover in January that the world wants to give us. But no, if, as Christians, as believers in Christ, let us break out of that and allow him to break in. And so what we've been doing, part one, was the in the beginning. If you miss that, you can catch up. And you know, every superhero movie, series of movies, always has the backstory, doesn't it? It always has focusing on the key uh, character. And where do they come from? We want to know about them. And what motivates them to save? What superhero power do they have that means they can save? And by the way, what do we need saving from anyway? And so we unpack that. And the line from that, if you want to give one line, is that the Christmas story didn't give birth to Jesus. Jesus gave birth to the Christmas story. Because in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. And then he became flesh and he dwelt with us, Emmanuel. And we looked at that. Part two, last week, Chris, our founding pastor, looked at first contact. Very sci-fi-esque. When the uh, angel Gabriel meets Mary and says, you are going to be with child. You are to name him Jesus. And then another angel appears to Joseph in a dream saying that, uh, yeah, you, it's fine to marry Mary. She's with child. I love that phrase. And she's going to have a baby boy called Jesus. And he's going to save mankind from their sins. How cool is that? And so where does that leave us today? Well, part three. Very exciting. Because there is a moment in every superhero movie story, right, where they go on a journey. 
You know what I mean. They've established first contact. The conflict is there. And they say, right, we've got to bundle into our spaceship because we've got a conflict. We've got to fight this thing. Or Superman goes and flies through because he's about to go and make history. Well, guess what? This Christmas story has a journey too. And so this week is entitled Part 3, The Journey. So let's look at the Christmas story so far. Let's unpack this together. First contact has been established. The arch, the arch uh, Gabriel, has spoken to Mary and indeed, as I mentioned to you already, Joseph. And, um, and now they have to go on a journey. Now, I went to see my little boy Daniel's Christmas nativity. I love Christmas nativities. He's six. The older girls did something else. And uh, I love the way Christmas nativities are because you get this moment where Mary and Joseph shuffle onto the stage and they go and do this little half circle where they knock on every... Do you know the one? Sorry. Sorry. And you know, it lasts for a couple of moments. And, and we kind of... And I love that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I absolutely take joy in that. But we kind of think that that's what the journey must have been like. You know, a few steps and they arrived in Bethlehem. Well, that isn't actually the case. Because it was far from easy. Far from comfortable. Far from that. The opposite was true. And so what I want to do this morning is really unpack the reality of the journey. Because if we truly understand the journey they took, we can learn three characteristics of the journeys that God is calling us on. And, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a journey that uh, Steph and I took once when she was with child. I love that phrase. Uh, this wasn't to the hospital, as you may imagine, but 10 years ago, we were living in Australia at the time, and Lucy was about to be born. She was born in December. So in Australia, that means hot sun, and it was really, really hot, and Steph was probably two weeks due. And it was a Saturday morning, and I got into my head that we needed a new car. I thought, you know what, the car we've got is great, but we need a bigger car. We're about to have a baby. We need space for the pram, etc., etc. So Steph's there in this air condition in our house that was wiltering as much as we were, and I had this bright idea to get on the internet and uh, find a car, which I did. I was very successful in that endeavor. And I found a place that was selling a car that I thought would be perfect. And it said it's in Penrith. Now, I thought Penrith was 20, 30 minutes away. So I said, darling, I've got a great idea. Let's not sit here in will. Let's get in the car, a little bit of a journey. Let's get the air condition on, because I want to see this car. Really, now? I'm too weak. Can we do this after? No, darling, we've got to do it now. By the way, I realize that this is dangerous for me because I'm not putting myself in a good light here, but please forgive me. This was 10 years ago. I mean, not going to happen in 10 years. So I bundled Steph into the car. It'll be fine, darling. And I knew I had to go down the M, whatever motorway it was, just head west. 20 minutes passes. Oh, I've got a feeling this is going to take longer. Anyway, 50 minutes later, with a little, rather annoyed wife who is uh, feeling uncomfortable, we arrive there. And the thing about the west of Sydney, you get out there and it's just like flat. And you think it's hot in Sydney. Boy, it was hot. So we arrive there and, uh, and I'm feeling bad and guilty. And we, we get in the car. For, so come on, darling, let's get in the car for a test drive. And the air conditioning wasn't working in the car. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> anyway, so hours later we arrived back home. And that was a painful journey for Steph. But as I reminded Steph at the 9.30, my wife, that was nothing like Mary experienced. <laughs> I clearly got 10 years of issues I needed to bring up this morning, because I've never mentioned it before. So if anyone wants to pray for me later, it's fine. <laughs> but that comes a little bit closer to Mary and Joseph's journey, but it was way more uncomfortable than that. You know, Mary and Joseph uh, about to have a baby, and you know, researchers suggest it was a week away, right? So there they are, in their little house, 
And then the brown envelope comes through the letterbox. We all know the brown envelope, don't we? Got HMRC on it or DVLA. And we're like, oh no, are you kidding me? Now, I don't know, there's one or two people. You either get the envelope and you quickly rip it open. Or there's like me, I'm like, if you don't see it, it ain't happening. <laughs> so let's read the story together and find out what happens. And then we're going to unpack it together. And we can look at the story in uh, Luke chapter 2. You can turn with me if you wish as we pick up the story here. And we're going to read verses... Uh, 1 to 6, it'll be on the screen as well. So Luke chapter 2 as we continue on part 3, the journey. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And so they're just about to have a baby, and in comes that envelope. And you can just imagine the scene. Joseph, you open it. No, you open it. No, you open it. And so they open it. What? A census? Are you kidding me? Caesar Augustus has never issued a census before when Crinius has been governor. You can imagine the conversation, can you not? But wait a minute, and it turns to God. God, what are you doing? Ever had that conversation with God? This is not in the plan. I'm about to have a baby. I'm about to, to bring to this world the Son of God, and you want me to go on a journey. Are you kidding me? And then she probably says something like, well, hold on a minute. I've just figured. Angel Gabriel never told me about this. You ever had these conversations with God? Is it just me? This was not in the script. It's been hard enough as it is, and now you want me to go on a journey. And so they have to pack their bags. You know, there's a truth in this, of course, that oftentimes before God births something new in us, we will be required to climb an even larger mountain than before. Oftentimes the greatest mountain always comes before the greatest victory. It is a truism that, it, that we see in our own lives if we think about it, and indeed we see it through the scriptures. And so they had this one last mountain, so to speak. And so here they are, they're in Nazareth. Now how far do you think Bethlehem is? 90 miles away. Did you know that? Just to put that in context, that's from St. Albans to Nottingham, as a crow flies. 90 miles. And I've been to this part of the world and they would have had to travel south along the flatbeds of the, of the, of the um, River Jordan, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem. That's a long way. And in those days, it said that most travelers traveled about 20 miles a day. But Mary and Joseph would probably have traveled 10 miles a day. 10 miles is like walking from here to Luton. Anyone fancy doing that walk today? Now, my math is not great, but I figured that if it's 90 miles at 10 miles a day, that equates to how many days? Not, well, you're better than us, quicker than I did it. Nine. Nine days walking to Luton. And can you imagine? And she's a week away from giving birth. This was not some shuffle journey and we've arrived. This was an arduous journey. 
But if you thought that was bad enough, one of the most terrifying dangers was the heavily forested valley of the Jordan River. And you know, lions and bears lived there. Did you know that? Archaeologists have actually found unearthed documents warning travelers of the forest dangers. Doesn't sound like a journey one would want to take when one is one week, about to give birth in one week. But here's the critical point. You see, the destination would fulfill the prophecy for the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. What does that mean? It means that the journey would fulfill God's plan and purpose. And that is, brothers and sisters, the same for us. You see, we all have journeys that we need to take to fulfill the plans and purposes that God has for us. Do you know that? We know Jeremiah 29, 11. It's an often used verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But I want to be crystal clear. These plans and purposes don't come to you on a silver platter as you sit there in your favorite armchair. I wish that were the case. Hebrews 12.1, the writer to the Hebrews says this, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, walking with Jesus is just that. It's walking. It's not you sit with Jesus. If you profess a faith in Christ, then let me tell you you're going to be going on a journey, many journeys, Many journeys. You see, as you know, we looked last week at as Chris looked at first contact, that indeed first contact is a line of first contacts. God is always looking to, to make contact with us and asking us the question, where are you? And we looked at that in the Garden of Eden, where are you? But here's the thing I want to tell you. Now go always follows where are you. Now go always follows our response to where are you. Abraham, Genesis 12, now go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Moses, now go to Pharaoh, go to the promised land. Esther, now go to the palace. Paul, in Acts, take courage, Paul, and go to Rome. And to us, go out and make Christ known, making disciples of all, all nations. Now go always follows, where are you? And so let me ask you the question, what's your journey? What journey is laid before you that you need to take? Or indeed, what journey do you currently find yourself on? Maybe your journey is a journey of forgiveness. Having to set your feet in the direction of reconciliation. Maybe your journey is not that. Maybe your journey is a journey of serving others. You see the need right in front of you and you need to set your feet in a direction of servanthood. Maybe your journey is a journey of obedience. Knowing that the sin that you're living is not God's best for you. And you need to say, enough is enough. And that may require you to move away from people. It might require you to move away from situations that you always find yourself in. But that journey is waiting for you to take. Maybe your journey is not that. Maybe your journey is forgiving and loving yourself. Your journey is a journey of accepting who God says you are. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That you're knitted together in your mother's womb. 
You know, maybe you listen to the good news of Christmas that Jesus came to save mankind, and yet somehow in that, you manage to erase your name from the story. But Jesus came for you. Not for your neighbor. Yes, your neighbor. But don't just look at the person sitting in front of you. He came for you. Maybe your journey is a geographical one. Maybe God is calling you out of your current job, but fear is holding you back. Maybe he's calling you to a different location altogether, and yet you don't want to make that journey. And maybe your journey is, and you can fill in the blanks. And let me tell you, while your journey will look very different to everyone else's, the truth is these journeys with God seem to follow some similar characteristics that we see in this story. And the reason I've gone to such pains and length to present the reality of this journey is because when we do, then we can see God's truth in it and how we can walk well this Christmas season. And so I've got three things that I feel the Lord wants to share with us that will help us on our journeys. The first one is this. This is what we can learn from the story. God's timing isn't our timing. Why God now to have a census? I'm a week away from giving birth. Are you kidding me? This is the worst timing, God. You know, I have to say, oftentimes when God calls me to do something, it seems to be, at least by my reckoning, the worst time. Maybe it's just me. I'm not saying it's always the case. But oftentimes it comes at a point where it's like, this is really inconvenient, God. You know, when God called me to be a pastor, it was an inconvenient time. <laughs> I was running a business, growing a business, seeing some success, and, and yet God said, no, drop your nets. Like, really? Now? Can't we just wait? Give it, listen, give it a couple of years. Let's revisit this. Let's see how we go. No, now. <laughs> Why? Because obedience always trumps convenience. Obedience always trumps convenience. In this consumerist age, we have got too comfortable and we expect God to work on our timeline. You know, it's been said, someone said, God's timing rarely makes sense to our limited mind, but it always makes sense to the perfect mind of God. Proverbs 16.9, if you want some scripture to back that up, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his step and makes them sure. You know, we don't always have the full picture. We cannot see it all. And it might feel like the most inconvenient time, like Mary and Joseph. But obedience always trumps convenience. And I want to be as bold as I can and say that I think for some of you, you've missed out on what God's got for you fully because you've got too comfortable. Can I say that? God's waiting for you. He's still got a plan. It's not like you've missed it, missed it. But he's just waiting patiently saying, come on, I've got something amazing for you. Because guess what? You're going to birth something amazing. I think some of you have been carrying around in labor pains and you're yet to see a birth of what God's calling you to because you're unwilling to date the journey. Obedience always trumps convenience. Number two, okay, you with me? This is another characteristic that we can find in this story. The destination is unfamiliar, 
the result uncertain. You know, when God calls us to something, it requires faith-filled vision. And it requires us to be bold and, and take courage. You know, how many times did God say to Joshua about taking the promised land, take courage, be bold. And you see, the thing is, you see, when we see God presents a journey in front of us, we're like, well, hold on a minute. If I go there and I, and I, and I look for reconciliation, they're going to... And then you fill in the blanks. Well, hold on a minute, God. If you're calling me to, to change career or go to that path, that's just not going to work out. Sorry about that. And you see, what happens is, instead of responding with faith, we respond in fear. But 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Isn't it interesting that Paul, in writing this, uses the word walk, once again reinforcing the fact that we are on a journey. We are on a journey. We walk by faith. You could, now, this is what's interesting about this story, and I don't think many people pick this up. But what is customary when you go to your hometown, it would have been customary for Joseph to stay with his family. And they would have arranged that up front, and they would have gone to stay with their family. But they went on this journey knowing they didn't have any lodgings sorted out. It's not like they thought, well, you know what, we just got to do what everyone else does and check into the local motel. It wasn't that. Everyone else went and went to their family. This was Joseph's hometown. But they started on this journey not knowing where they were going to go. And that is often the, t- the type of journeys that God calls us in. Well, if I stop that relationship, or I, if I don't do that, Lord, you know, what's that going to mean? Well, obedience, faith. You know, it says that faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. Uh, Romans 12.1, brothers and sisters, I love this verse. Um, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and walk in that which God has for you. Okay? Now, what does renewing the mind mean? It means aligning his truth to us. That's why faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. You see, the problem we have is fear is so loud in our ears because we don't really know what God says on the situation. Why do you think God has left us this manual of how to live our lives? Faith comes from hearing. You know, faith you, isn't, you don't muster it up. That was quite vocal. I didn't mean it to be so. Faith comes from saying, I make a choice to believe what God says. And so the problem we've got is that we don't listen to what God says. Okay, let's look at another verse, Philippians 4, 6. Famous verse. Paul says this. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, right? But with thanksgiving... Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. We all know that, right? But what we miss out is the next verse. Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, whatever is of good report, whatever is trustworthy, whatever is peace, dwell on those things. In other words, if you want to live a life of faith, don't dwell on the things that fear will tell you. And I want to be strong here as much as I can and say, listen, listen, brothers and sisters, we've got to start living a life where we align ourselves to God's truth and move out of what fear tells us. Because as long as we listen to bad stuff and fearful stuff, we'll never be able to truly walk in what God has for us. What do you want to be louder in your ears? We've got to be wise about what we watch, what we listen to, the type of conversations we have. And instead, we've got to spend time in his word and in his presence and allow his spirit to minister those words to us, bringing faith. You hear me? 
And you see, that's how we can respond because those journeys that God gives you are going to be uncertain. When God says, go do that, I mean, I remember when Steph and I, when we first got married, Steph, God said, I want you guys to go and move to Australia. I'm like, really? Well, the only way that's going to happen, Lord, is if I get a job with Yahoo. I was working for Yahoo at the time. It's like, but we've got to make the steps. We went over there on a holiday. My brother was li- living there. And uh, we just said, you know what? We just feel it. The Lord's going to bring us here. And I went into the, into the Yahoo office there at the time, and they were looking for a particular role that would have been perfect for me. And they said, um, well, it's great to meet you, but we've just offered the role to somebody. I said, okay. Get back to the UK, and Steph and I are like, you know what? God's going God's to bring us there. Within a week, I get a phone call saying, for some strange reason, the person doesn't want the job, job anymore. We want you to have it. And then we, within the space of like two months, we had packed up and we were in Australia and we were there for seven years. Now, if I had responded to that, if Steph and I had responded to that initial way, we'd be like, that's not going to happen. How on earth am I going to get to Australia? We would never have lived the life that God had called us to over there. And indeed, the, the set in motion where I'm at today. And so what we need to do is hold on to it and say, Lord, if that is your will, Lord, then I trust you. I have faith in you. And we cast our eyes upon Jesus. Okay, that's number two. The destination is unfamiliar. Number three, what else can we learn from the story of Mary and Joseph's journey? The journey can be hard, and it feels like God isn't there. Ever been on those journeys? You see, this is what's good about, interesting about this story. You see, part three, the journey, is bookended by part two, first contact. We looked at that, didn't we? God is speaking loudly with an angel. He probably can't get much louder than that. Really clear. Yeah, you know what? God said we're going to do this. And it's bookended on next week, make sure you're here, part four, the arrival. Heralded by angels. Yeah, God is speaking. But we're in part three, the journey, and it's like he's gone silent. Where's the angel turning up when the letter comes through the letterbox? Don't worry, God's got this covered. This is what's going to happen. No angels, no dreams, no nothing, just silence. And for, for nine days... They're just traveling, thinking, where's God? Hello? We thought that you were with us. Where are you now? And have you been on those kind of journeys? Maybe you're on that journey now. You you know that God set you on this path, and yet it's like as if the lights have gone out, and it's as hard as anything, and you're like, wow, have I made a mistake? Have I offended God? Does he not love me anymore? But you see, this is the truth of it. Psalm 23, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, right? What I love about that walk is another phrase, a journey. We journey through it. And what's at the end of Psalm 23? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, what does that mean? It means it's not often until, it's sometimes you have to get at the end of the journey and you look back, you say, wow, God was there. Because here's the truth of it. The greenest grass grows in the deepest valleys. Did you know that? The shepherds will take the sheep through the valley because that's where the greenest grass is. And God is our good shepherd. He allows us to go through these darkest valleys because that's where we grow the most. Mountaintop experiences are wonderful, but you grow the most in those dark journeys. You know, there's a famous verse, James 1, 2 to 4, says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
And so you might be in the middle of that journey. You might be about to embark on it. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you, God is always there for you. You might feel like he's disappeared. He hasn't. You might feel like he doesn't care. He does. You might feel like you've made a mistake. Not necessarily. (laughs) And actually, this is the point. It's in the journey that you don't rely on how you feel. You rely on what he says. And that's how we mature as Christians. Because we know that life isn't always rosy. Because the word of God is steadfast and sure. That is where we put our true, our hope in, our rock in. And that would have been the same for Mary and Joseph. You can imagine those nine days. What on earth are we doing? It's gone so pear-shaped. And I feel like for some of you, the arrival is around the corner. I want to encourage you, for some of you, you're really close. Don't stay. You know, imagine if Mary and Joseph said, you know what, let's just set up camp here. Listen, we've got a couple, two days, it's just, forget it. Let's just... One of these travelers will get one of their tents and we'll just camp here. And some of you have camped there and just given up. I want to encourage you, push forward because arrival is about to come. Okay, I want to invite the band up and I want to review them just very quickly, those three things that we can learn. And I, 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 my prayer is, is that this will help you as you respond to what God's doing in your life. Number one, God's timing isn't our timing. Why? Because Obedience always trumps convenience. And for some of you, you've got to make that step. Number two, the destination is unfamiliar. The result, uncertain. And what is our response? In faith. Let us be a people that walk in faith. Let us allow his word to speak his truth into us as he changes us. And number three, the journey can be hard and it feels like God isn't there. But you're on the edge of a breakthrough. Let me just end with this. How on earth can we walk this journey? How on earth can we live this life? Because Jesus has gone before you. He's walked your steps. You see, he may have made that journey in, the mother, in his mother's womb on the way to Bethlehem. But his final journey was through Jerusalem, carrying a cross on the way to Calvary. He overcame the darkness because he died on that cross and he took all of our sins And you know what his last words were? It is finished. Everything was accomplished on that cross. Your wholeness, your salvation, your healing. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That is the promise. But the good news is Jesus didn't just die and stay there on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. Because Easter always follows Christmas new life and resurrection, and we can live this life. We can walk the journey that God has laid out for each one of us because of the work of the cross. And that is how Jesus has saved mankind from eternal separation with God. Because in that moment that he bore our sins, there was a divine exchange that happened. The righteousness of Christ was given to us. And so when the Father looks at each one of us, he looks at us as holy And what does that mean? We can run into the arms of a holy God. That is the gift of Christmas time. Let us just stand and let me pray. Lord, I just pray that your word, as it is promised, would bear much fruit in our hearts. That it would accomplish that which you have set forth for it to do. Lord, I pray that you would 
set us up to journey well. And for those of us, Lord, that we know there's a journey we need to take, especially this Christmas time, maybe we're seeing family that we know we need to forgive. Maybe it's a habitual behavior that we know we need to break. Whatever that journey may be, Lord, I pray for each one of us now that you would go before us and that we would journey well, I pray, as we commit it into your hands. Amen. Let us worship him together. Thank you, Lord.